Have you ever dreamed of what life would be like if you were financially free? Yeah, me too. Which is why despite having three children under the age of four and working full time, I decided to start an online business. However, I was not prepared for the chaos starting a business would wreak on my life. I lost sight of the things that were most important to me. The result? I was stressed, overwhelmed, and exhausted with nothing to show for it. I was ready to call it quits. When I realized something, when I keep the most important things in my life stable, that is when I thrive. Now I'm on a mission to inspire other amazing women to do the same. But the real question is, how do we do it? Join me on my journey as I build my financially free business using today's top marketing strategies while keeping stability in my home, family, and mind. My name is Johanna Buss, and this is the Stable Mama Podcast. Hello, ladies, and welcome back for another wonderful episode of the Stable Mama Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Abby Ashley. She's the founder of the Virtual Savvy and she helps aspiring virtual assistants launch and grow their at-home business from scratch. She started her own virtual assistant business as a new mom. She was able to double the salary from her full-time corporate job, only working 20 hours a week in just 30 days. Amazing. And she's gone on to grow a seven-figure business and retire her husband, all using her at-home business. It is now her passion to help others start their own VA business so that they can taste the freedom and flexibility of the entrepreneur life. My goodness, what an amazing story. I cannot wait to introduce you to her. I am very excited to have you here. I love it. (laughs) You have an incredible intro. I am so excited to learn how you doubled your salary from your corporate job working 20 hours a week in 30 days. Like, wow. Uh, But before we really jump into it, we have this one tradition on the Stable Moment podcast, and that is to ask you how you're doing it. How are you creating this business that you love while keeping stability in your home, your family, and your life? Yes, that's a great question. And let me tell you, it's been a process. So I've been running my business since 2015. And honestly, there's been so many different seasons inside of that. The way I handled raising you know, raising a business and raising a family uh, looks different than it did when I first started. We've lived in D.C., Virginia, Oklahoma, and Missouri during that time. We, you know, we've gone through everything from, you know, me being full-time stay-at-home mom to have somebody helping uh, coming one or two days a week. Then we moved to Oklahoma. They were in an in-home daycare And then now my daughter's in full-time kindergarten and my son is doing full-time pre-K. So it's, you know, it's definitely, there's been seasons. And I think that that, that's, that's one of the, I guess, secrets to it is realizing that everything is a season, you know? So maybe, maybe you're working full-time, raising a family and trying to raise a business. And it just seems like crazy town. You're just like, this is so overwhelming. Recognizing that it's a season and that you are busting it super, super hard doing the whole hustle thing. Um, but that that's not forever that you're doing this so that you can live a different life and so that you can enter into a different season. So yeah, I think that, you know, I've had a lot of help along the way. I haven't been afraid to ask for help. Uh, that's for sure. But that's been, uh, I think recognizing seasons has been kind of the, the secret to all of it. I love that. And it's true. There are so many different seasons and each season has its own complications or uh, growing pains, if you will. I'm really excited to talk about how you started, right? Because you said 
30 days in 30 days. Now I have been trying to grow my business for way longer than 30 days. So I would love to know how you did that while raising your two little ones. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So I'll throw this out there too. I replaced, um, I, I, I doubled my full-time income in 30 days. There's a couple of things that you need to know about that. Number one, I was not making a lot of money. <laughs> I think I need to be really transparent with that. Uh, my job was a very low paying job. I worked at an online university. One of the perks of working at that university was that I got free education. So I actually got a bachelor's and a master's degree debt free um, from working at the school. So that was huge. Uh, but the salary was terrible. So I feel like it's important to be really transparent with that. However, um, it still really was a big accomplishment. I don't want to undermine what happened. Um, the thing is, is that there's different types of businesses and every business grows differently depending on what the business model is. And so if you're doing something like growing a, you know, a blog or uh, something that with physical products, you're going to have really small profit margins, right? Because um, you have the cost of inventory plus finding the audience and marketing and all of the things. Um, when it comes to growing, let's say a blog, um, I think blogs are absolutely amazing. They're a great way that people can replace their income. However, they just take time. Like growing an audience takes a lot of time. And so, um, you know, you're not going to replace your income overnight with a blog. Um, it, it, you know, you have to get like thousands of people to be reading it. And then from those thousands of people, you get maybe hundreds that join your list. And then out of those hundreds, maybe 10 or so will buy your thing, whatever your thing is, right? So um, it's blogging, I think is really amazing. And it has huge, huge kind of untapped potential but um, it takes time, right? Services, however, offering services online uh, is, in my opinion, the fastest way to make money online. And that is because if you think about it, you're not having to get thousands of people to say yes. You're not having to get hundreds of people to say yes. Most freelancers, virtual assistants have between four and seven clients. So you literally have to get four people to say yes, right? And it's a big difference. And so let's say you have packages, um, you sell a package of 10 virtual assistant hours for $300, right? Um, for some of us, if we sold four of those packages, that would replace our full-time income, right? And so it's, it's when you actually like write down and you look at the numbers and whatever replacing your income means for you, like I said, for me, it didn't mean a whole lot, um, but whatever it means for you, you can literally look and, and do the math and say, oh, again, I don't have to get hundreds or thousands of people to say yes. I have to get five people to say yes. I have to get six people to do my, my middle package or whatever it may be. I love that. I love how you you used uh, numbers. I'm very much number orientated, and I loved how you you just broke it down. It looks achievable, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it really is. And that's why, you know, um, as far as getting clients quickly, um, because that's the el other element. Whether it's four people or four hundred people, you still have to get people to say yes. So there is the the marketing element of it as well, and that was. You know, I started my business when I was actually eight months pregnant. So I had a huge fire <laughs> under my butt to like make this thing happen fast. I just didn't delay. Uh, you know, one of my mottos is go set ready. And I just, I just went for it before all the, before all my ducks were in a row, before I knew 
everything was lined up, I just said, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to start talking to people. So I went to a bunch of local networking events. And honestly, that's where my first, uh, that, that first month of clients was all just from local networking. There's lots of other different ways to get clients as well, but man, local networking was huge for me. I really like that you said that because uh, so much of the information that we hear, it's about, you know, being on the internet, using a social media platform, and not so much that one-on-one contact. Do you think that's kind of what kind of gave you the step in the right direction and kind of, you know, started the ball rolling is the fact that it was a a visual face-to-face meeting versus an online one? Yeah, definitely. Again, I think there's ways to, uh, there's tons of ways to find clients online. You don't have to go to in-person events, but even finding clients online when it comes to services, it's all about the relationship. So it's not so much about like, let me grow an Instagram following of a hundred thousand people. Like that, I mean, that could work, but again, that's the long game. It takes time to grow huge audiences, but to make one-on-one connections, I mean, that, that could be as simple as having, you know, a really great LinkedIn strategy where you just truly connect with business owners, like actually engage them and talk to them and be helpful and give them advice. Uh, it's the one-to-one strategy. And again, if you're doing one-to-one, but you only have to get four to seven clients, it's, it's just, the turnaround time I've seen for the people who really take marketing seriously has been very, very quick. Sorry, my wheels are turning over here, which is why I'm pausing. Um, no, I, I love what you're saying and, and I'm making some connections. I guess my question is, and I know personally, and maybe this is something um, some of my listeners feel the way this way as well, but I struggle making that initial contact about reaching out. Do you have kind of any tips or tricks to kind of get over that and just... Take some action. Yeah. So the, the first thing that I tell people do other than the local networking events, cause I think those are really awesome. I think there's something really powerful too, about going to a local networking event. And like, even if you don't get a client from it, just going and just being like holding out your hand and saying, hi, my name is Abby and I'm a virtual assistant. Like there's something really empowering about it. Just being like, yes, this is who I am, you know, and even if nothing comes from it, it's just like a confidence booster. The next thing that I usually talk people through is uh, what I call like the friends and family outreach. Um, Now, the great thing about virtual assistants is that you're not like, you're not selling to your friends and family, right? Like this isn't, um, you know, selling like leggings or oils, nothing wrong with those things, but you're not getting your friends and family to buy your services. But if you think about it this way, like everyone listening, I want you to do this like little exercise, like close your eyes (laughs) and think, do you know one small business owner? Do you know one person who owns a small business? Most of you are probably thinking, yes, yes. Um, This could be like a real estate agent. It could be a insurance agent. It could be somebody that owns a mom and pop shop or an e-commerce store, whatever it may be. You know, one person that owns a small business. Well, just like you know, one person that owns a small business, pretty much everyone you know knows one person that owns a small business. So there's something really um, amazing that can happen when you tell friends and family about what you're doing and you say, hey, I'm sorry, the virtual assistant business, they won't know what it is, so you'll have to explain what it is. (laughs) And so you explain, you know, I'm going to be offering administrative, creative services to small businesses, but it's all done remotely. Um, And so you kind of explain what a virtual assistant is. And then, you know, you can ask them depending on the relationship that you have with the person, like, do you know of anyone who owns a small business? Like, I'd love for you to connect me with them or, you know, what it can also be really powerful. I, I have people that do this little friends and family exercise 
And they'll be like, well, Abby, nothing happened. Like I told everyone I knew and I didn't get a single client. I'm like, that's okay. Like now you're on people's radar. Right. And so, um, what will happen is their aunt Sally, the next, you know, two weeks later has a plumber come to her house and the plumber's like, oh my gosh, you know, sorry, I haven't invoiced you for this last time. Like I'm super behind on like my emails and invoices. Like we've just been so busy lately. And then what's going to happen? Aunt Sally's going to be like, oh my gosh, I actually know somebody who helps with, you know, emails and invoices and, and do you want me to like connect the two of you? And so sometimes the results from that outreach can come later, but uh, I think just letting people actually know it's one of the scariest parts. Yes. Um, but it's so important and it's really just sharing your life. Again, it's not selling anything to your friends and family. It's just a, uh, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm doing this new thing. Just like you would share that you have a new puppy or a new, you know, whatever, like you're just sharing this new exciting thing that's happening in your life. I like how you said that. Cause that was actually going to be my next question is like, how do you have this conversation? Because I'm like a very introverted person. And so sometimes approaching people and telling them about my life is a difficult task. Yeah. And I, I also have, if you don't mind me sharing, if you go to the virtual savvy.com slash swag, S W A G like stuff we all get, um, the virtual savvy.com slash swag, I actually have a personal outreach template. So I actually have a downloadable template that you can use to, if you're going to reach out to people via email or Facebook messenger, you can kind of use that as a guide. Again, it's best just to do the personal connections, just to actually take someone out to coffee or send them a text message or or whatever it may be, make it more natural, but this is kind of a guide if you need help with the wording. Perfect, I love that. I'm gonna have to look that up. This is awesome, I really like that. And um, I guess my other question is, so you kind of started this when you were, you were eight months pregnant, you said. So how did actually having your child kind of change, did it change anything in your business? Yeah. So, well, so at this point I have two kids. So this is actually, I was, I was pregnant with my second child, um, Jones. And so, uh, yeah, having two kids, a newborn and a two-year-old was obviously really overwhelming. Um, but awesome at the same time, I, I knew right away, you know, I, I worked, I had worked for some people who had ran businesses and, and knew kind of the, the idea of delegation. And I obviously believed in delegation because I was a VA. And so I thought, you know, if I really believe in this, I, I'm going to start doing this in my own business right away. So pretty much from day one, if there was something in my business, I could outsource to somebody else. I tried to do it. I didn't try to build my own website. I, I hired somebody to do it. I didn't, you know, once, once I had some reoccurring tasks, um, you know, I had someone paying me to create social media graphics. I looked around at some of my friends and I was like, who could create social media graphics? Who's one of my friends that I know kind of has an eye for design and could kind of help with this. And so while someone was paying me, you know, $30 an hour to create these graphics, I would have help a friend out paying her about $12 an hour to create the graphics. I would look over them, send them on to my clients and, and kind of work that way. So from day one, I really started outsourcing. Now, does that creep into your profit? Yes. So that's not for everybody to do right away, but I knew I wanted to build this really big. And I also knew that I wanted to make money while I wasn't working. So that was huge for me. I remember like I'm at the park one day and I'm pushing my two-year-old on the swing, my son's in the stroller, and I'm getting a notification on my phone that 
a subcontractor had finished some work for me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I like just worked while I wasn't working. Like this is phenomenal. And that was, that was huge. So that, you know, I hooked onto that idea right away. So I eventually grew a team of four subcontractors and, you know, the five of us kind of ran this little mini agency, if you will. And that was, that was kind of the start to my business. It evolved a little over time, but that was, that was really, really important to me was knowing that I could get work done even when I wasn't working. No, I like that concept, like the who, not the the how. Um, I've heard it quite a few times and it's something I struggle with because one, I'm a perfectionist and I know I need to work on that. But two, when you start a business, you feel like you are in this, this place of like financial, like you can't spend any money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so the idea of hiring somebody else really made made me not want to do it. But I like how you put where you had money coming in and then you were hiring out. So like you had a process. Was there ever a time where you didn't necessarily have the money in, but you were hiring out and to try to get the ball rolling on your business? Yeah. So I, I'm trying to think back. I, I never took out like loans or anything for my business. Like I, I'm very much like a bootstrap person within 2016 whenever I launched my online course uh, near the end of 2016, I had a, I actually stumbled upon an old 401k. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but I like, didn't, but I, I didn't realize that I had a 401k with this old company that I, and I like got a notice about it once. And I was like, I have money in a 401k. <laughs> like this is amazing. It was not a lot of money. Um, it was like, I think it was like $7,000, which is good, but it wasn't like, you know, crazy. And to pull if, if you don't know, pulling out, pulling money out of the 401k is never smart, but I was like, this is an investment and this is money that we didn't necessarily like have. And that was just a surprise. We didn't know we had it. So it kind of felt like free money, even though it wasn't. And so at that point I did, I pulled that out. I ended up getting, I think out of that seven, I think I ended up being able to keep like four or 5,000 of it. And, um, after like penalties for withdrawing early and taxes, all that stuff. So, um, I was able to keep that money and I did use that to invest in like the online course side of my business. I built a brand new website, had it custom built, like all this stuff. But other than that, no, that was the only time I ever like took money that I didn't necessarily have, but I guess it was still my money, but it wasn't like business money beyond that. It was all, it was all grassroots. Now, what I did in the beginning, I mean, I didn't expect, I've always treated my business like a business in the sense that this is the business money. It's not my personal money. Okay. And I pay myself from the business. So it's always been ran through a separate account, which I really, really recommend. It's just so much cleaner to keep everything separate. And so I like, even if I was making a thousand dollars, it wasn't that I made a thousand dollars, right? It was that the business made a thousand dollars. I need to put probably 300 ish of that aside for taxes. All right, now I have $700. Well, out of this $700, I'm going to pay myself, you know, $200, $300, whatever it may be. And then what I would do is I made goals of how much I was going to increase my own personal pay. So it's like, I'm going to pay myself, you know, maybe the first two months, I'm not going to pay myself anything, but by month one, I'm you know, I pay myself a hundred dollars by month two, $200 month three, maybe I'll be able to jump it up to 400 or 600, you know, like, and so I made goals of how much I would pay myself over time. And then, and there's a lot of different books you can use. There's a book called profit first that I think is really good of like, 
like recognizing how much of my business should be used for marketing, for team, for paying myself, all of that, and kind of deciding the percentages for yourself. But I've always tried to view it as that. So now, you know, and that might seem like, oh my gosh, Abby, like that's, that like, I want to be making like a thousand dollars a month, but I want to be making. And it's like, okay, well you can still do that. You know, now, like now I pay myself 10 to 15,000 a month, you know, for my business plus distributions. And so that like my salary looks much different now, but it didn't start out that way. And I think we have to like do the building blocks of that. I like how you put that. I feel like when we start that business, we have that dream of like, Hey, I'm going to be making $5,000 a month. And I like how you broke it down. Like this is money for the business. You need to keep putting it in the business because actually while you, you were saying that I was like, Oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> so uh, this has been awesome. I love kind of how you, you've shown us how you have progressed in your business, how you have um, incorporated your kids. And um, I would just love to learn how many women are you, are you helping? And, and like, do you have any advice for some of the women right now and what they could do as like an action step to, to get it really moving? Yeah, definitely. First, how many women? I don't know. Um, so I, there's about 50,000 people on my email list. I have a community, a Facebook group of about 40,000. So it's, it's definitely, it's, it's really grown. And that's, you know, I always tell people like those first few years of business, just keep grinding it out because as long as you are seeing growth, that growth multiplies over time. You know, it may be if you're working on an email list, right? Then that email list, like zero to a hundred is the hardest. Absolutely. It's the hardest. A hundred to a thousand is still pretty stinking hard. A thousand to 5,000, it's hard, but it's not quite as hard because you have a groove down. 5,000 to 10,000, you're like, oh yeah, I know how to build an email list, right? And beyond 10,000, like, like I don't work to get email subscribers anymore. Like we try different strategies, but they just, they just come now because we've worked and we've put things in place. So like, I think that, you know, having the, as long as you're seeing forward motion, like just keep at it. Like if it's not working, then try something different, pivot, do something new. But if it's working, even if it's working slowly, keep at it because yeah, that growth is compounding for sure. I love that. Uh, this has been a wonderful interview. I guess, do you have any last tips or tricks for us before you say adieu? Yeah, yeah. so if anybody, if, if you're like virtual assistants is totally what I want to be doing, like, I love the idea. And even if you're doing something else, like, so let's say maybe you do want to, you know, grow an e-commerce platform or you want to have a blog or, or a super successful podcast or like all of those things, consider doing services while you build that other thing. Cause again, most of those are the long game, whereas services, in my opinion, is the fast way to make money online. I think there's sometimes there's more growth potential. Like I think that a blog could be bigger than services. Although I've seen some people, I, I have a friend who has 64 subcontractors. Like it's insane. Like she's just grown this mat. So, I mean, the sky's the limit with any of it, but you know, what, whatever that passion is, like just consider doing services alongside of it because 
for most of you, if you're building a blog, you're already learning so much, right? You're learning how to do social media or how to, how to edit a podcast or how to create social media graphics. Like you might as well be doing that for other small business owners and getting paid for it while you build your own thing. So if you're interested in doing that at all, you can go to the virtualsavvy.com slash checklist. And that is my uh, virtual assistant checklist and starter kit. That's all the details of what you need to know to get started. Awesome. I'm very excited. I will definitely check it out. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I was very excited to have you as a guest and uh, you definitely didn't disappoint. So thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's episode, could you please take a minute to rate and review my show? It would mean the world to me. Also, let me know if you have any questions or if there's something in particular that you're struggling with so that we can cover it in future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. Remember, progress is being just 1% better today than you were yesterday. You got this, mama. See you on the next episode.